Shabbat Shalom. It looks like a madhouse out there in the uh, in the uh, Oneg space. Everybody doing well? Everybody seems a little tired. Seems a little not woken up yet. Hashtag woke. What? I'm not doing a good job of hyping you up for Shabbat, am I? You're all just kind of like, yeah, just get it over with. Let's get into the worship. Let's get into the cool stuff. All right. Well, welcome, everybody. We have a lot of guests and visitors with us this week. Um, like we've been warning everybody, Camp Yeshua time is here, which means we've got a lot of teenagers, a lot of young adults, a lot of youth uh, in for the youth camp that will start tomorrow. Uh, and so tomorrow we will, uh, some of our leadership will start heading on down to Anadarko. Uh, in preparation for a week of summer camp. Uh, and so we've got that this week. And then um, we've got special guest speaker Rico Cortez here with us from Wisdom and Torah Ministries. Uh, and then next week we've got Matthew Vanderels uh, from uh, FIT. Uh, congregation in North Carolina who will be here as well. And so um, big Shabbat this week, big Shabbat next week uh, with, with a bunch of guests and a bunch of youth uh, in town for that. So please keep all of the staff and the campers in your prayers this week. Looks like the Lord has really, really blessed us to be in July and have 88 degree highs this week, that's amazing. I remember some years where it was triple digits all week long, and you did not want to go outside, which made youth camp uh, very interesting. So this week, it looks like we're going to have uh, upper 80s, low 90s, which is like huge for this week. So uh, please keep all the campers and uh, the staff in your prayers this week uh, as uh, we have that. It's, it's going to be a fantastic week. Um, we're really excited. Um, I want to invite those who are who are here for the first time. We have Oneg after service. We have brought extras for you to join us. Please stay. Please have some fellowship time with us. Uh, have, break some bread with us. If you're on the keto diet, don't break some bread. Uh, bre break some protein uh, with us and uh, stay and hang out with us. Uh, get to know some people. Um, we are a Hebraic Roots of the Christian Faith Fellowship. Uh, it is run by uh, Daniel Musson, Ephraim Judah, and myself. None of us take a salary of any sorts from this congregation. So all the donations, tithes, offerings, whatever you want to call them, you'll notice that there's a pushka here. We do not promote it. We don't really have a tithe or an offering time during the service that's dedicated. It's there. The Lord lays it on your heart to, to donate. That's between you and the Lord. Um, that goes into a community storehouse fund. That fund helps us basically give back in the community. So we do a lot of things with Bridges, Compassion International. Uh, we do stuff with food and shelter. There's a lot of organizations that take care of, especially widows, orphans, um, teenagers whose parents maybe abandoned them. Uh, or they're in the system. Uh, and so we really do have a big outreach program where we try to uh, give back to the community. That's really our heart. Uh, and that's really what we, uh, we do with the majority of the money, as well as helping those in need inside our own congregations. So uh, from time to time, there's people who have needs. We're here to help them. It's a community storehouse. Helps people be able to keep the feast. Um, 
we don't host our own feast. For those of you who are new here, uh, we actually go and we uh, we join with Lion and Lamb Ministries at their Feast of Tabernacles, their Shavuot, uh, their Hanukkah conference, which actually is in this facility here. But uh, so if you are looking for a place to keep the feast with us, uh, by all means, please check out the bulletins which are out there. They have information on the websites. We'd love to have you come and join with us for the feast. Uh, it's it's always a fantastic time. Um, if you are looking for or you have outreach opportunities, Stephen Drew's back there uh, in the uh, baby blue, Robin's blue, whatever color blue it is, t-shirt. Uh, him and his wife help spearhead our outreach. So if you have an outreach opportunity, if you know of somebody who has a need uh, and we can help them, please see Stephen and uh, we'll definitely do what we can to help. Uh, our next meeting, this is important because we have a ton of youth in town, is July 19th for the youth. That's going to be at Mike and Melissa's house. Mike and Melissa Ophel, they live right here in Moore. Uh, and that's the 19th, that's the Thursday after camp for 13 to 19 year olds. Uh, the next men's prayer breakfast is in August. We did cancel the one for July because of uh, Camp Yeshua. But the ladies prayer meeting is going to be at Roxanne Fricker's home on the 29th at 10 a.m. So please make sure to mark your calendar. Once again, you can grab the bulletin out there. I have also been informed that I need to make sure and let the women know that there is another women's event at the end of July. The 24th, I'm thinking. I don't see Melissa. I think it's the 24th of July, but it is the end of July at the Melting Pot. So block out about four hours of fondue, chocolate, cheeses, whatever. Is it the 24th, Melissa? Okay, the 24th of July, the women are all going to the Melting Pot. There's no way they're leaving under four hours. So just go ahead and block out four hours because there's chocolate, fondue, cheese, everything. The women are going to be there for a long time. So guys, we need to put our big boy pants on, and we got the kids for like four hours. So that means in my house, lots of movies. So women's gathering the end of July. Uh, if you need more details, please see Melissa Musson, who is out there helping with Oneg. She's also standing there in the back next to Daniel with his uh, Caribbean shirt uh, that is also a royal blue. So let's go ahead. Let's stand up. Let's greet one another. Find somebody that you don't know. Say Shabbat Shalom to. We're going to get into a time of praise and worship, and then uh, we'll have our brother Rico Cortez come and share.
days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trials, of famine and darkness and sword, still we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare you way of Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. So lift your voice, it's a year of Jubilee, and out of Zion salvation comes. And these are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are its wide in your world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard, declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on clouds, shining like the sun, out the tropic horse, so lift your voice, it's here to believe. Till salvation comes, behold, he comes, riding on clouds, shining like the sun, at the tropic horse. So lift your voice, it's here at Jubilee, and out of sight till salvation comes. There's no God like our God. 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 Behold, He comes, riding on clouds, shining like the sun. Have trumpet calls to lift your voice. It's clear to me, and I'm excited to salvation. Sun, hot tropic hall, so lift your voice. It's here to believe, and out of sight till salvation comes. Yes, out of sight till salvation comes. Yes, out of sight till salvation comes. Father, you are marvelous on this Shabbat. We thank you. We thank you for the opportunity to come together. We thank you for the opportunity to praise you. For you are holy, Father. Kadosh, Kadosh, Father, we love you with everything we have. One with God, the Lord 
side Your hidden glory in creation And now revealed in you are Christ What a beautiful name it is What a beautiful name it is The name of Yeshua What a beautiful name it is Nothing compares to this What a beautiful name it is The name Yeshua You didn't want heaven without so God, you brought heaven down. My sin was great, your love was greater. What could separate us out? What a wonderful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. The
Sing 
passionate for your word one that never leaves one of yours behind Father we thank you for your Torah we thank you for your Sabbath we thank you for your son we thank you for everything that you are Oh, 
you have done, all that you're doing, and all that you will do, who was and is and is to come, blessed be your name, amen. His name is to be blessed, is it not? Could I have that, that last slide back up there again, created me? Thank you. Leave it up there for a minute. We're going to spend a few minutes in prayer here. Uh, if you're here and you're going to be part of Camp Yeshua, would you stand up? If you're one of the youth or a counselor, stand up so we can pray for you. 
All right. Father, I thank you for your presence here this morning. Thank you that you will be at Camp Yeshua, that you will be there to guide the counselors, to be with each of the youth that are there, to change many lives. And we pray, Father, that you would oversee everything that goes on in that camp. We ask your spirit to guide each person that is there, to lead them in the ways that they should go. We ask that you would give the counselors wisdom. We pray for their safety, for those who are still coming in today. And we ask that, uh, again, that your will would be accomplished in the lives of each person who will be at Camp Yeshua. And we thank you in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right. A couple of things to pray for. There's a gentleman who has come here off and on to HFF by the name of Von Kirk. He's in his early 50s, I believe. And he was just diagnosed with stage 4 colon cancer, which is spread to his liver. He's currently in a hospital in Oklahoma City. Uh, He will undergo surgery Tuesday on his colon and then begin chemotherapy. So we need to be in prayer for him. Uh, also, we, uh, when you get a chance today and you see Monty, you might want to wish him a happy birthday. Today is his birthday. Okay? We're not going to sing happy birthday to him, but when you see him, make sure you wish him a happy birthday. I'm going to give you a few minutes to pray for whatever is on your heart. And then I'll and then I'll close this. Thank you. Okay, if I can have that back up on the screen again, created me a clean heart. Thank you. What I want to ask you to do this morning is to join me in praying these words. So if you would join me now, together we can pray this. Father, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, O God. Take not thy Holy Spirit from me, and restore unto me the joy of your salvation, and renew a right spirit within me. Father, I pray that these words might be true in each of our lives this morning, that you would continue to do the work that you have started in each of our lives, that you would continue to create that clean heart in each of us, that you would renew your loving kindness and your spirit in each of us, that you would not take your Holy Spirit from me, and we know that you've promised you won't, and we thank you for that. So we come this morning expecting you to do a work in each of our lives. We commit the rest of our time here to you. We ask that you would bless Rico as he comes and brings the message this morning, that the words that he speaks might be your words. And we ask that you would open up our hearts and minds to listen to what it is that you would have to say to us through him. 
And we ask this in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right. If we could bring up the little kids, we prayed for all the youth that are going to Camp Yeshua. Now let's bring up all of the little children that we want to pour out a blessing upon them each and every week here at HFF. As always here at HFF, our talit overfloweth. Heavenly Father, we come before you on this Sabbath day. Father, we lift up each and every one of these beautiful children before you, and we pray that you would pour out a special blessing upon them on this Sabbath day. Father, I pray that you would lift them up, cause them to grow as they learn about the stories of old, as we, the parents, the elders, have opportunities to teach them of your ways. So may we always have the words to say and the wisdom to speak life into them, teaching them of your commandments, teaching them of the stories of old and the greatest story ever told, the story of Yeshua the Messiah, their Savior. Father, may we learn from them. May we learn to have faith as they do, as they go and reach for their parents. Father, may we reach our arms out for you in worship of you. So, Father, we thank you for the wonderful blessing that you pour out upon us in our families, giving us the opportunity and trusting their care in our hands. Father, I pray that you would make the sons to be as Ephraim and Manasseh, make them fruitful and multiply as they grow and learn to become leaders of their own families and possibly even of future congregations. And, Father, we lift up the daughters to be as Ruth and as Esther, make them righteous daughters of Zion, and may your mitzvot and your kindness always be upon their lips. We lift up a special blessing upon all of these children in our midst on this Sabbath day. May you turn, lift up your countenance upon them, turn your face toward them, and give them peace. We thank you, Lord, for all of these things. In Yeshua's name, amen. All right, the children are dismissed to their class, ages 4 through 12. We have a wonderful and noisy craft for you guys this week. All right. Well, in keeping with the theme of children and kids, our guest speaker today is just a big kid. He's just a big kid. All the way from Puerto Rico. I almost said Mexico. (laughs) I know how to press your button, so... Uh, but please keep Rico in your prayers as well. You know, we talked about him being here with Campus Shield, but he's also been given the opportunity to go to Australia and speak. Uh, is it for two weeks? New Zealand and Australia for two weeks. So he's uh, he's going to be with us for a day or so at Campus Shield. Then he's hopping a plane and flying halfway across the globe. Not the flat earth, but the globe. And uh, he'll be uh, teaching for two weeks um, in New Zealand and Australia. And so please keep him in prayer uh, as he does that as well. But uh, let's bring him up. Everybody, please welcome from Wisdom and Torah Ministries, my friend Rico Cortez. Shabbat shalom. Shabbat shalom. I'm always happy to be here. Thank you, Chris, for having me. And yes, I'm going to have an opportunity to go to one of the corners of the earth. So the Bible says, 
Corners in the globe, there you go. But we're not going to talk about that today. We're going to focus on things that really actually will help us grow and develop an intimacy, understanding the master plan of the Creator in our lives and how we are trying to understand our role and our purpose in the kingdom. Many times when we come to the Torah, we get struggle. Hello. It's finding out what is our purpose, what, is our, what, what are we supposed to do, where are we headed. Would you agree with that? Amen. Okay, let's open with prayer. Father of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, uh, we gratefully thank you. We thank you. We praise you. We uplift you. For we know you are kind and good. You are a fortress and our strength, our shield and our foundation. We thank you for the opportunity to serve you. We thank you for the honor to be, to be your kingdom and allow us to understand deeper truth in your word. Allow us, my king, to really focus on the things that will help us grow, that will help us bring honor to your name, that will help us become a kingdom that you deserve. In the name of our master, Yeshua. Amen. All right. So what I want to do, this is taken from this week's uh, gospel cycle. As you know, I have a website, wisdomandtoral.com, and there I teach either temple stuff or um, the, the gospel cycle or the Torah teachings. I've been doing Torah cycles now for five years, I think, five or six years. This year, we wanted to do something on the gospels, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the book of Acts. So every, every so often, every two weeks, we're doing research and trying to do an hour tops, just an hour, trying to do 20, 50, 15, 20, or 25 hours of research for one hour, you know, and sometimes we're hard-pressed to try to keep it between that time frame. But what we want to do is trying to give you an insight as to the context of the Gospels. Would you agree with me that many people, they read the Gospels, but sometimes we fail to get a deeper understanding as the message that has been told for us. We believe in resurrection. How many of you believe in resurrection? You believe Yeshua's Messiah. But do you believe Israel is the kingdom? You believe Messiah will return. But many times, many people come around, they tell us something that you probably never saw, or you probably uh, listened to the wrong voices, and now people begin to doubt those things. Why? Because we're not going to the beginning of the message. In order to understand the end, we must go back to Eden. So the title of this message is, is a very simple one. End of the exile, return to Eden. The end of the exile... Return to Eden. The problem is in the first century, in the first century, you see the Jews were looking, Israel, Judea, and, and, and Samaria, and the Galilee, all the Israelites, they were looking for the exile to end, but they're talking about the exile from the nations at that moment being taken away from the power of oppression from the Romans, which is valid. We know that would happen. Ending the oppression of foreign governments. I understand that. But was that really the message that Yeshua, was that only the message that Yeshua was bringing? And this is what we miss it. We miss it because we are so focused about being uh, delivered from, the, from today's oppression that we lose the, 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 the goal. We lose the mindset. We forget about the ultimate goal is to not only restore Israel into the covenant, but to restore Israel again in the covenant so that Israel will take upon themselves the mandate and the mantle of bringing humanity again to the beginning. Bringing humanity again to Eden. Restoring humanity. That's the purpose. How do we know this? When we go to the book of Genesis, chapters 18, I'm going to give you verses. Is that okay? It's really hard-pressed. People preach with no verses. I don't know how they do it. It's hard for me. I mean, even if I'm teaching without a PowerPoint, I still got a quarter verse sometime. 
right? That's a gift. I heard one guy teaching for 45 minutes, never quoted one verse. That's called motivational speaking. I could do that. I used to do that all the time. But I'd rather let God do the motivation. All right, so in Genesis 18, this is the mandate of Israel. I've talked about this into I'm Puerto Rican in the face. It's the same blue in the face, Puerto Rican. Puerto Rican, Chris, now Mexican. I love my Mexican brothers, Puerto Rican. All right. It says, for I have known him. This is Genesis 18, verse 18 and 19. Let's read verse 18. It says, since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. The seed of Abraham is to be scattered among all the nations so that not only the Jews are blessed, not only Israel is blessed, but that all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him, right? So that tells us that the gospel is not a geographical, local message, that the gospel is supposed to be an international, universal message. Would you agree with that? Well, how are we taking it? How come more of the nations are not leaning towards the gospel? How come many more people are not accepting Yeshua? Instead, they are rejecting the Messiah among our ranks. Because we are not focused on the ultimate goal. And it tells us, I have known him, Abraham, in order that he may command his children and his household. I want you to pay attention because the next part of the verse is extremely important to understand Mark chapters 1 and 2. It says, that they may keep the way of the Lord. The way. Derech. Derech. The way of the Lord. That word is prevalent through scripture. You must consider looking into this. Because that was the original name of the believers in the first century. The way. And it says to do righteousness and justice. The duty of Israel is to keep the way of the Lord. To do righteousness and justice. So the mandate of Israel is that Israel will become the vehicle of bringing reconciliation, not only of Israel into the covenant, of the scattered tribes among the nations, but that the scattered tribes who are the seed of Abraham, when they come out of the ground and they revive again after a certain time, they bring fruit of righteousness and justice so that all the nations will seek out the tree where that fruit comes from. Which is the tree of life? Which is the Torah? Would you agree with me that today the fruit is getting rotten? The fruit that we are supposed to bear right now as a witness and a testimony to the nations when certain people eat of certain denomination within the Hebrew roots is a rotten fruit, divisive, chaotic, dividing the body, separating the people. All these young people are bitter. A lot of the young people are upset. They're bitter, and then when they turn 18 years old, they go running out to the world. Why? Because we're supposed to be the image of God restored, and we're not showing them how to behave as the proper fruit. And we're guilty. We are guilty, the elders and the leadership. We are guilty for not setting a better example because we missed the boat. All of us do, okay? So now that we understand the man to restore the kingdom for one purpose or one to the mic. Okay, so in Mark chapters 1, let's going to follow the whole chapters 1 of the book of Matthew. Chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Luke is the same message. I find it interesting that chapters, uh, chapters 1 and 2 of Matthew are the same thing as chapters, you know, 1 of, uh, of Mark opens with the same verses. Comfort, comfort my people. 
Well, wait a minute. It doesn't say that, Rico. It says, in the beginning of the gospel of Messiah Yeshua, the Son of God, it is written in the prophets, Isaiah chapters 40, right? Verse 3. Behold, I send a messenger before your face who will prepare the way. There you go. Prepare the way. Prepare the, your way before you. The voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his path straight. I mean, how much more clue do you want? The way? Straight. How do you make straight? It's righteous. Righteousness is what is the righteous way. It's the straight path of blessings. You want us to really become a good example, all the young people going to Cam Yeshua. You really want to truly be an example? Don't come from Cam Yeshua and become all holy for one week. You know, let that be the catalyst to help you the whole year. So when you leave, you can go out there and become the example the world is looking for. The fruit that God is seeking after you. So when they see you on Facebook all year long, they can say, I want to serve the God that young person serves. Because he behaves, he speaks, he talks, and he walks in a different way as the rest of the young people on the earth. Are we doing that? Because I take responsibility as a leader. Am I doing the right thing? Is my fruit rotten? Or is my fruit good? Well, you all have to do the same thing. We all, the kingdom, have to take accountability and count the cost. Are we faithful to the things we've been called to do? So here what we have are elements of what is called ancient Near East. I know I threw it in there. I always have to do it. Ancient Near East. It's the context of the Bible. You can't change it. People want to study the Bible from a religion, denominational perspective. You can't do that. The Bible was not written to a denomination of people. The scripture was written to a people who live in a real culture, in a real geography, with real problems. And I find it so interesting that the number one problems in this country today are exactly the same things God establishes in his Torah that will declare you righteous. Caste system of Rome, separation between classes of people. In Rome, it was not even about color. You could be a slave and you didn't have to be black. You follow? You could be slave just because you were captured by somebody else. The caste system, the way people put themselves above other people. The Torah teaches us equity. The Torah teaches us righteousness. Do we know God's righteousness? Do we know his justice? The message that Mark is trying to open with here is trying to let you know God has heard the outcry of the oppressed people. He is sending his deliverer. He is sending his messenger. His actions, his works, his miracles, everything he does is to let you know that the God of Israel will restore his people and will use his people to restore all of humanity again. This is making sense to you. Give me something. Okay, hallelujah. You see? I was going to say something, but I don't want to be mean. No, in a good way, in a good way. All right, so watch this. So now we have to understand what, why he's opening with this. I have a theory. I can't really say it is proof 100%, but I have a theory based on the text. You see, Mark is quoting the Haftorah Consolation. Every year we have seven prophets, seven portions of the book of Isaiah in the prophets that goes from after Shavuot, Pentecost, all the way to Yom Kippur. Somewhere in the middle, the seven, you know, portions of the prophets of consolation. I find that very interesting. I believe that John the Baptist was actually saying, bringing out this message during that time frame. Because they knew it was leading in the wilderness like the three months in the summer. You know, there's nothing. There's hot. There's no rain in the wilderness back in the day. And now the, John the Baptist is that royal man. 
everyone know that God has not forgotten his people, that the Lord is comforting, that everything Isaiah says, comfort, comfort my people, that is an outcry of hope. And in the ancient world, when the, king, when the kingdom would cry out for righteousness and justice, the king, who is a good king, he would respond by sending a messenger. Now, there were two types of messengers in the ancient world. There was the one that was close to the king, And when you saw that, key, that messenger, you knew the message was one of love and restoration. Or you saw the general of the kingdom, the general of his army. If he sent his general and you were the king on the other side committing treason against this king, then you saw the general, you're in trouble. Either you repented, you pay your tribute, or you die. It's interesting that the verse, the first verse, listen to how it reads. It says, the beginning of the good news The gospel, evangelion. How come it chooses the word evangelion? That's not necessarily a religious word. A word in the ancient world. I mean, they said that Rome, Caesar used to preach the good news of his kingdom. They had the good news of Rome or the good news of the gospel. The good news of the Bible. Are you with me? The good news, I'm going to explain to you, is actually outlined for us. But it says the good news, the son of God. The Son of God. You see, that in itself, when it says the Son of God in the introduction, should let us know in the way that the Father lovingly is trying to bring reconciliation to the kingdom. In the ancient world, if the king sent his son or an uncle or someone related to his family to you because you're not doing the right thing, but you saw the son of the king, you knew that the, messenger, the message was a friendly one, a restoration of loving. He just wanted to restore the relationship. Okay? This way right here? Gotcha. So if the king will send the son of God, you knew. And the moment you saw the son of the, uh, of the king or, or, or a high-level guy next to the king, you knew it was a sign of re uh, reconciliation. You were happy because he said, okay, it's friendly. But if you saw the commander of the, ho of, of the host, if you saw the general coming near you, you knew you have two choices. Interesting that the book of the Gospels present Yeshua as a son of God. Bring in a message of righteousness. But then the book of Revelation sent him as a warrior, as a commander of the host, to wage war against the enemies. You follow what I'm saying? If we understand all of this key information in the Bible in its context, when the gospel message will really come alive. So now that we establish that, I want to focus on the word in verse 4. In verse 4 it says, verse 4 says, John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sin. And interesting, I want you to get your Bibles in the book of Hebrews chapters 9 verse 22. Let's go there real quick. In Hebrews chapters 9 verse 22 it says, according to the law, almost all things are purged with blood. And without blood, there is no remission. In some of your Bibles, it says forgiveness of sin or forgiveness. But the Greek word there is aphesis. Repeat after me, aphesis. The word aphesis in the Greek, you find it 50 times in the Septuagint. The Septuagint is the Greek to the Hebrew, you follow? Now, that word aphesis is connected with jubilee. Or Deuteronomy 15, it deals with forgiveness of debt. Now, I never understood why John the Baptist, who was a priest, by the way, he was a Kohen of the line of Zechariah, of the line of Abia. Now, I never understood as to why there was a baptism 
when already baptism, or in this case, mikvah, or immersion, or tevilah, whichever way you want to call it, already existed in the temple. So why is, he, why is this baptism so different? I finally understand it based on that word remission. You see, there was a time that's been fulfilled. We see it in verse 15. And verse 15 says, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the good news. When you see the word gospel, put good news. Okay, but if we do not understand what the word remission means in verse 4, we're not going to understand the good news of the gospel and why you need to be immersed. Follow? You see, what led Israel into the dispersion was willful disobedience to the Torah. You break the covenant, you go into exile. Exile is shame. Exile is moving away from the relationship that you have between God and you and humanity. Remember, we're not only talking about the exile going into the Babylonian captivity or the Assyrian captivity or any of the other invasions that happened in Israel. Let's take it a little farther back. Let's talk about the exile from Eden. The exile from the garden. The exile from the perfect presence of God. The exile from the mandate of humanity. The humanity was supposed to be the image of God to reveal to the nations that there is a creator, that he is sovereign, that he is restored, driven, that he is the one that created all things. In other words, it was not the gods of the nations. There aren't any. It's the God of Israel who's creator. He's the one who controls chaos. He's the one that brings honor and brings order. That's the whole idea. Chaos, order. Every single one of you have one thing in common. You've come to the gospel because your life was utterly in chaos. Or is it just me? I mean, was your life perfectly? You have billions of dollars with perfect family, great kids, and nothing happened to you ever? Or there's something that drove you to call out to the name of the Lord, and you call out for help, and he answered your request, and he responded to your prayer. And here you are listening to the good news. But all this time, we're trying to box in the good news that God intended and the message to denomination, Baptist, Adventist, Pentecostal, whatever it is. Now everyone has given the good news according to their mindset. Again, we're coming back again to the Garden of Eden in which Adam and Eve wanted to do things their way. They wanted to eat of the tree they wanted to eat from, not the one God appointed. That's exactly, that's denomination. It was divided right from the garden. People want to do their own thing. Newsflash. This is my king's kingdom. And it is time for us to behave the way he desires. It is time to focus on the message he wants his people to know. This country right now has been divided by what? By issues that if you go through scripture, you see righteousness and justice. I'm telling you, I see it. I'm going, oh my God, we're living out what the Bible. I know what's going to happen next. Because every time the same patterns have occurred, there's always, there's always either national restoration or civil war. I mean, the patterns are there. How can you be against a leader trying to bring security, prosperity? Because we've lost our way. We are looking to all the directions. The same problem happens in the kingdom. It's not about politics. It's about principles that are in the Bible that a nation who provides for the needy, for the homeless, for the widow brings blessing. I don't know how in the world young people can, can embrace socialism in this country. I'm sorry, you got to be really stupid playing too many video games. 
Because you've never been through anything. But all the people who've been through the Great Depression, World War I, World War II, and you've been through need in your life, you want nothing to do with socialism because you take somebody from something from here and you have to oppress someone to help someone else. What, what, what happens when that person doesn't have anything anymore? The Bible doesn't work that way. The good news is that the Lord brings righteousness to all people, equity to all people. Now, in the Gospels, you will see the contrast, how the Romans and how Herod is oppressing their own people and how Yeshua is bringing the good news of righteousness and justice, restoration of honor, restoration of order from chaos. Is this making sense to you? So now, as we read the word remission, the word remission means, and the one that is found here is aphesin. Uh, instead of aphesis, uh, it's the same root word. The, word. the word remission that is talking about here is the exile, you know, forgiveness from what is keeping us from the garden. You want me to repeat that again? There was a prophecy in the book of Daniel. That word time is kaireos, and the word time fulfilled Basically, the definition is, it's a set time God has established. Daniel gave a prophecy of the 70 weeks. Now, the temple is going to be destroyed because the book of Mark was written around the year 60. You see, this is what, the connection of the when it was written to the historical issues that are going around in that time frame to the message all tie in. If the temple is going to be destroyed, there's no longer a connection between heaven and earth. The presence of God is again leaving the Israel. There's no longer an enthroned king on Israel because that's what it represents. There's no longer the microcosm of Eden. There's no longer that need to have a good restoration, reconciliation with the creator when you mess up. So there's no way to have intercession. In their mind, they're thinking our lives are lost. We no longer have a connection between heaven and earth. So the book of Hebrews is so important because it's trying to connect with you. Like, yet there's still a connection. There's still someone doing the job of the priest for you. You're not lost. You're not hopeless. There is the king still hears you. He has set aside his son to become a high priest so that there's always been a mediator, a benefactor, and someone who can intercede on your behalf. The word there, aphesis, or aphesing in this case, represents Forgiveness or remission, a complete debt. In other words, while the Jews in Judea and the Israelites in the northern kingdom of Galilee, they were looking, the Galileans, they were looking for a revolutionary as a Messiah to redeem them from the power of Rome. The message of the gospel is far greater in a vision than it was in the first century. You see, the message of the gospel that Yeshua is trying to bring you is that God is going to bring you forgiveness, but not from the oppression of Rome, not from the oppression of the exiles literally here yet, but it's going to be that the work of Yeshua is going to bring a restoration of not only Israel, but also all of humanity to be able to enter into the garden again. That forgiveness is going to be done. So if you follow, is this making sense? So if you follow this chapter and you understand these principles, the message just comes out at you. Because now you know there's a 
uh, there's a, uh, a royal messenger. It's an important feature in the ancient Near Eastern uh, uh, mechanism of a king speaking to the people. When the king wanted to bring a message to the people, he needed to send the message, a royal messenger. No one can touch him. No one can kill him. If someone touches that messenger, you declare war on that king. When Herod killed John the Baptist, that was a declaration of war against the God of Israel because he was a priest. You don't understand. That was a huge affront to the authority, to the power, to the kingship and the sovereignty of God. Okay? So now Yeshua comes in the picture, and if you go through all the verses, then there's a baptism. It's preparing the way. Message of repentance. Repentance from what? They could have done that in the temple. They could have gone to the temple and said, Father, my king, I repent for my sins. I bring an Ola offering, or I bring a Chata'at offering, or a Sham reparation. That was, a, that was being done in the temple at the time of this. So what is it that you need? Why do you need this? Because it's talking about the ultimate redemption. The one that is going to allow us to go into the temple. So now, when you baptize, it's a rite of passage. It's like being born again. You know, how many of you have been to Israel here? Raise your hand. How many, how many of you want to go to Israel? November 19th, December 3rd. Here you go. Cheap plugged. Okay, go in Israel. Come with me. I'll show you the land. But when you do immersion in the Sea of Galilee, or in this case, in a really beautiful hot springs that we go to, it's a rite of passage. You go, you use the baptism as divine judgment. I have a teaching, it's called the, the What is the Lake of Fire? I highly recommend you consider that and you study baptism and in, in more in death as a divine judgment before you come into the waters. So if you forgive, okay, so Adam, notice the pattern. Let me give you the example. Baptism. In order for... Israel, to go to Mount Sinai, what did they have to go through? They went through the Red Sea. Yes? And they found, and they were there, and the presence of God was present to them, and then the tabernacle was built, a microcosm of the, of the garden. I'm going to cover that this afternoon. I bet I'm going to be there, I think, three, or 3 o'clock, and I'll be talking about the image of God restored from a different perspective. So now we have, they come from Egypt, slavery, oppression, shame, outcast. They, the Lord hears their outcry. Notice the book of Exodus says that they call out. They mourned. And the Lord sent a what? A royal messenger. Moses. And then he redeemed them. A declaration of war. Remember? And then the Lord amongst the Egyptians. Why is it? Because to them, Ma'at was cosmic order in Egypt. So what did the Lord, the Lord did? The Lord, what he did was, he declared war on all the gods of the Egyptians that dealt with nature. So that God could be declared righteous and sovereign over all creation. And that it is him who has control of the cosmos and not Pharaoh. Yes? Okay, so now they go through the waters of judgment. And they come out on the other side. The guilty Egyptians, they all die. They are unrighteous. They are oppressors. And the righteous, the oppressed, who believe by blood, believe by faith in the blood of the Lamb, get it? They were redeemed with mighty strong power. Now they cross the Red Sea, and now they're redeemed. They're free. They're vindicated. And now they're presenting themselves before the great king. They present before the great king, but before they present themselves before the great king, before God, the cloud comes down on the mountain, and before Moses is called up to the mountain, and then before the tabernacle is restored, what does all of Israel have to do? They have to wash their, their bodies and separate for three days. Remember? 
Immersion, preparation, it's called a ritual cleansing before you come in. That's why you have to connect the Day of Atonement to this. The Day of Atonement, the high priest, represents humanity. He's not only representing himself, he's representing his family, he is representing Israel, he's representing humanity. So it's interesting that the Lord, although we are in a state of impurity that separates us from the presence of God, so that's why we cannot go into the, the Holy of Holies, that's why we cannot go into Eden today, because we're still in this state that will be transformed in a twinkling of an eye, but the Lord still tells Israel, I still want a fellowship with you. I still want to interact with you i'm going to pick one guy who is perfect who can still come to me once a year on my day of my enthronement and my day of judgment and i will speak to him i will hear all of your prayers and i will hear your petition as your king that's the day of atonement this is why the high priest wore white because the high priest represented adam come on man tell me this is making sense to you so once a year, you can see the whole dynamic. So all of this, how do we know that the remission is completely fulfilled? Because if the ultimate plan is to enter the holy, uh, the holy place, which is a type and shadow of the garden. Are you with me? Because it's sacred space. If that's the ultimate plan of God, then how would you know that the debt is paid, that we have perfect freedom, did you know that in the ancient world when a king would declare a kingdom free, you know how they, everyone knew how they were free? They used to raise a banner. They used to raise the banner as a sign of freedom. It's called the cross. At the gate of the city, Yeshua was hanged on the tree. Not only to restore all of Israel into the covenant, but to show to the nations that he brought the good, to, good news of righteousness and that God still desires to dwell amongst his people. The Lord, Father, he wants to Emmanuel with humanity again. And what did he do? He opened the way again to the garden. How? By the veil renting. The renting of the veil in the temple was a metaphor or a symbolic gesture of the Lord telling everybody through the work of Yeshua, through the restoration of the covenant, through the redemption not only of Israel, but all of mankind back into the garden, I now have opened symbolically the way into the holy place where there is bread, where there is prayer, where there is the tree of life, which is the menorah. How many of you have never heard the gospel being preached this way? And that's what the book of Mark is trying to let you know. How does he do it? There's a royal messenger. And then there's a preparation of your body. Let me ask you a question. Whether you like him or not is irrelevant right now for the sake of the teaching. But if the president who holds the office, the highest office in the nation, will call you to a meeting. And you've been working out here in Oklahoma all day long in 100 degrees. And you know how you'll get working outside 100 degrees. It doesn't smell good by the end of the day. Are you just going to show up that way? To meet the president? Or are you going to make sure that you bathe yourself, you dress yourself, you're going to be in your best behavior? Imagine now, if the message of restoration is being preached, 
John the Baptist, being a priest, understood the fulfillment of all the prophecies. He was a priest. His job was as a timekeeper. He was the one. He understood these prophecies. And now what he is doing is exactly what the Kohen is supposed to do. Teach the kingdom the Torah. Teach the kingdom to separate clean and unclean, holy and profane. And now he is saying, guys, the time is fulfilled. Remember what Daniel said? The end of the exile from the garden is ending. And everyone is looking the end of the exile from the oppression of Rome looking in one direction when the Lord is trying to say hey I'm here this is the master plan why is it waiting into the seventh day 7,000 years why because in the seventh day in the 7,000th year just like you're sitting here on a Sabbath the seventh day was the enthronement of a king Ancient Near Eastern enthronement ceremonies took place in seven days. This is why you have seven-day week in creation. He rests. He rules. He reigns. The feast, seven days on living bread. You count seven weeks to Shavuot. There's seven, all the feasts. Everything is a master plan of sevens. Why? Because the Lord is letting you know, I need humanity to recognize my kingship, to recognize my sovereignty, to recognize and be my witness that now I exist. How? By you becoming the image of God and you doing the works of righteousness so that he will get a great name among the nations. That's the purpose. So as we continue to read here, so far I'm just jumping. I don't know how much, time I, how much more time I have. Okay, I got 10 minutes. Yes? Okay. So now you, now that we establish, is, does that make sense to all of you? Interesting, right? I'm telling you, I read the Gospels and I'm going, how can I ever miss it? Now, I'm not saying, though, that the Father is not going to bring, you know, uh, uh, redemption from the oppression that we deal with today. But Paul understood this. That's why he's trying to give hope to the people in the first century. Guys, if you die... He's trying to tell them, if you die here, remember that you're, not, you're free in the world to come, in the Olam Hava. Don't lose hope. You may not be able to, to defeat Rome as your enemy today, but remember, if you believe in him, he'll give you everlasting life. Isn't that what he promised Abraham? Isn't that what he gave Adam in the garden? So Paul is, when you read Paul, when you read Paul, think about him trying to teach the, mass, the message of the good news to return to the garden. When, that make, when I started reading it like that, it makes sense. So now, from that point on, you have the royal messenger. It's introduced. You have every element that is following legality of a restoration. Everything in here. Now, all of a sudden, you go into the first disciples. This is what gets interesting. There's a book I'm reading that is called Fishers of Fish and Fishers of Men. It's by a, name, a, a gentleman named Yoder. Uh, and it's a really hard, it's a scholarly book. It's really hard read. It's the only one in this, in this kind that I've found about fishermen and things in the Bible and in the ancient world. I found some very interesting stuff, and I can't go into greater detail because I have it in my notes. And, you know, it's, I got to focus to really try to extract. But this is what I got out of it. It was the fact that in the ancient world, let's read it. Let's go to Jeremiah 16. When you look into Habakkuk, Ezekiel, Amos, Amos, and you read in the book of Jeremiah in regards to the fishers, that the Lord will send fishers, and then he will send hunters. The one thing that I've learned this week that I'd never really connected was the fact that in the ancient world, nets and fish 
was considered as a imagery and a language of submission or bringing divine retribution. That's what they used, the language they used. And you see it in the Bible, by the way, because the Lord himself proclaimed in verse, in chapter 16 and verse 11. And it says, verse 10, and it shall be when you show these people all these words, and they shall say to you, why has the Lord pronounced all of this great disaster against us? And what is our iniquity? And what is our sin that we have committed against the Lord Elohim? Then you shall say to them, because your fathers have forsaken me, says the Lord. They have walked, they have walked. You see the language? The way, walking is all synonymous with obedience or disobedience. They have walked according to the imagination of their own evil hearts, so that no one listens to me. Sounds like today. Therefore, I will cast you out in his land, into the land that you do not know, neither nor know your fathers, and that you shall serve all the gods day and night, while I will not show you favor. Therefore, I'm looking for the verse. I think I jumped over it, didn't I? It says, therefore, behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, that it shall be no more, said the Lord lives, who brought you out of the, out of the, uh, the children of Israel, the land of Egypt. But the Lord lives who brought you up from the children, from the land of the north, from all the lands where he had driven you. And I will bring them back into their land and I will give them to their fathers. Behold, I will send many fishermen, says the Lord, and they shall fish them. And afterward I will send many hunters and they shall hunt them in every mountain and every hill and every hole of the rock. For my eyes are on their ways. Again, there comes the same word. Ways. Walk. Walking. Pathways. All of that is related. They're not hidden from my eyes, nor their iniquity hidden from my eyes. So here we know that this retribution, divine retribution, that's what verse 18 says. At first, I will repay double for their iniquity. That's willful communal rebellion. Okay? And their sin because they have defiled my land. They have defiled my inheritance with the carcasses and their detestable, abominable idols. So therefore, this is divine retribution. The Lord is saying, I'm going to, Why? I'm going to send the net out. I'm going to send the fishers. He's not using nets here. He's using fishers. In the ancient world, the, the audience reading Jeremiah would have understood what he meant. Divine retribution. There's going to be problems because we're not obeying the covenant. So Yeshua, when you go to Mark, is reversing judgment. The redemption of Israel, the remission is that now the gospel, the good news, is going to be spread among the nations. The nations are also represented by water, the sea. Are you with me? This is the most important part of the teaching that I want to get you to. Okay, the nations, represent, uh, the nations are represented by the imagery of water. So water represents chaos, but also a way of salvation like he did in the story of Noah. In the story of Noah, you have the water was salvation for the righteous, and there was judgment for the unrighteous. Yes? So therefore, now the same pattern is established here. The Lord is saying, listen, I will bring a, a divine retribution against my people for not doing according to what I told them to do. They're supposed to be my image, yet they worship other gods. They're supposed to be my righteous people, yet they oppress others. So now I'm going to let them learn their lesson. You oppress, I will oppress you. You go measure for measure. 
But then at a proper time, I will send the Redeemer. I will send the Messenger. I will restore your fortunes and I will restore your good name. And I'm going to do what? He's going to reverse. Honor status reversal. He tells now Yeshua to come to the earth and bring the message of reconciliation. At the proper time. In other words, the coming of Messiah came at its proper time. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. It will be practically impossible, in my opinion, for someone to say that somebody came up with a New Testament and somebody wrote it other than the inspired people who wrote this. There's no way someone in the Middle Ages is going to sit down and figure this stuff out if they don't live in the time frame that they understood. The more I study this stuff, the more I believe in Yeshua's Messiah. I don't understand how so many people come around two or three years and other experts to go running away. They're just cowards. They're looking for identity. They go to another religion. Simple as that. You know? That's all it is. You're so desperately looking for acceptance by people that you reject the rock of your salvation, your way into the kingdom, because you want to be accepted by a religion. Happens in Christianity. Happens in Judaism. Happens everywhere. Okay? But what we see here is that Yeshua, instead of bringing divine retribution, he's reverting the outcome. He said, I'm going to bring fishers, but according to the heart of God. They will do works of righteousness. Oh, by the way, in the Gospels, it tells you that the net, the net that they cast is the Gospel. Now you learn today that the Gospel is the good news. The good news of what? That the time of your exile is over. In other words, you all now will have, all of humanity will have the way into the garden again. But if you fall asleep or you die now, don't worry because he'll resurrect you over here in the time of entering the kingdom. He promises you resurrection. Why? Because the enthronement of the king does not occur into the seventh day. And these events happen in the beginning of the fifth day. You follow? So therefore now everything makes sense. Yeshua now goes and he tries to bring the image, image, imagery to life. He said, remember the prophecies about image of fishers and, and fishermen and fish? Ephraim is as a what? As fishes who multiplied on the earth. Isn't that the blessing to Jacob? Ephraim and Manasseh. May the Lord bless you as Ephraim and Manasseh. That you may multiply. The word multiply is fishes. That you will multiply as fishes on the earth. Interesting that now Yeshua picks fishermen to cast the net in the sea, which represents the nations that are in chaos, so that he can bring them hope, restoration, and order. Well, Rico, how do you know all of that? Because immediately after that, picking the disciples, he starts casting out demons. He starts healing the sick. He starts cleansing the lepers. Those are the acts of righteousness. Demonic powers. People are looking for demons in every corner. I don't believe that's the whole message that Yeshua is trying to bring you. I'm not saying demonic powers don't exist. But the Torah never mentions them except for sacrificing to demons. Why is that? Because demons in the ancient world represented chaos. And Yeshua is taking the opportunity that when he casts an evil spirit, the message behind that is, I'm here as the Son of God to bring restoration so that the humanity again can come back to the order established in the garden. Restoration of order from chaos. Are you bringing chaos into the camp? Or are you bringing order into the camp of God? That's the question we need to ask today. 
Are we a kingdom of order, restoration, righteousness, and justice? Or are we continue to facilitate the chaos that the enemy so desperately is trying to convey in the kingdom? What happened in the garden? You heard another voice that led you away from the presence of God. It led you away from the fellowship with the Creator. It led you away from perfect environment. It led you away into shame. The Lord now brings you again into his peace, Shabbat. The feast, which is enthronements. It teaches you the plan of redemption. You know, the freedom in the day of Pentecost. And it gives you an outline of the perfect plan prophetically the Lord wants for you. What kingdom do you want to belong to? The one that the gospel tells us? To go out there to the nations and tell them that they're free, truly free indeed. But the message has been so diluted by our own understanding that we missed the whole boat. Good news! We can go again in the garden. And if you die before Messiah returns, don't you dare stop believing in the promises the Father gives us. Because when the day of enthronement comes, you will be there to be a partaker of the blessing and the celebration. Just because my king, my shield, and my strength promised it, he took an oath on it, and he has brought the message of restoration so that you among the nations, among the waters of the earth, will hear the message of redemption, freedom, restoration, and sanctification. Make sure that you become a kingdom that is deserving of that king. And you become a kingdom that would only speak the words of the king to bring order of all this chaos that is going around us. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And thank you for being here with us on this Shabbat. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. We thank everybody for coming to HFF uh, this week. If you've enjoyed our service, uh, you can make a uh, donation at the box up front. Also want to uh, issue a welcome uh, for the first time in our congregation. Uh, we'd like, we always like to publicly acknowledge this, but we want to issue a congratulations to the Tanner family and their new baby, Charity Grace, who's in our presence for the first time this week. Lord is good and blessing our congregation with new growth. It seems almost on a monthly basis <laughs> these days. If you would all stand, please. And the Lord spoke in Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Yisrael. Adonai Vaishmarecha Yahweh Adonai Panavilecha Vihunecha Yisarunai Panahavilecha Vayasim lecha Lecha
Shalom. Shalom. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom. Please join us for Onig and Shabbat Shalom. Uh, last night put the heavy.